is Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Monday, May 15, 2023, and today will be better than yesterday. Sir Abbott, Taylor Schwink are working up near Bristol on Buster Only. I'm also in Connecticut after doing the Sunday night game in Boston last night. Guys, it was a, uh, a fascinating weekend. How are you both doing? Doing well, Buster. Back from Louisville, Kentucky, visiting with some friends. Shout out to the Stratton family. They hosted us and showed us a nice time at Churchill Downs, which was amazing. I waved to you uh, on the way uh, back from the Boston airport. Saw Fenway from the highway. Very nice. And Sarah Abbott, did you notice that Taylor was tweeting out about his new love of bourbon? I did. I did see that. Congratulations, Taylor, on your new love of bourbon. That sounds like an amazing weekend, and I'm glad you had fun really got swept up in that whole Kentucky bourbon culture thing. My, my guy, Steve Stratton, he was he was feeding me Basil Hayden all Friday night after a day of uh, distillery tastings that uh, it made for uh, a complicated uh, next morning, I would say. Well, I was going to say, because you uh, devoted your weekend to bourbon, I better remind you what happened in baseball on Sunday, okay? Please do, yes. All right, Dodgers-Padres. Uh, in this series, you got the upstart Padres who beat the Dodgers in the playoffs last year. They're trying to stake their claim as maybe the new champions of the National League West. Well, you know what? The Dodgers reminded San Diego over the weekend who was in charge. The 1-0 to Betts. There's a fly ball to center field and deep. Way back there, Grisham to the wall, and it is gone! A home run! Mookie Betts with his ninth home run of the year. Betts, of course, hit one out on Friday night, the first of the back-to-back with Betts and Freeman. So Betts' bat is beginning to heat up, and the Dodgers take a 2 to nothing lead. It was a great Charlie Steiner AM 570 LA Sports, and Betts also hit home run in the previous Sunday game against San Diego. The Padres are seven games out now in the National League West. They're three games under 500. All those folks who doubted the Dodgers, like me, probably should be feeling a bit sheepish at this point. The Blue Jays had a great weekend against a great team, the Atlanta Braves, who got their offense started on Sunday with Ronald Acuna Jr. 1-1 on the way to Acuna. That is rocketed to deep left field. There's a tone center right there. He jolts one into the second deck, and it's 1-0 Atlanta. That from 680, the fan. I talked to a lot of people over the weekend. They were talking about how good they think the Braves team is because the Red Sox folks had just seen Atlanta. You know what? Their bullpen is a concern, and that manifested at the end of the game. The pitch. Swing at a ground ball towards the hole. Base hit into left field. Vladdy scores to tie the game. Here comes Chapman to win it. The Blue Jays win it on Danny Jansen's two-run base hit in the bottom of the ninth. That from Sportsnet 590, the fan. The Rays played the Yankees. Yankees had a couple good days Friday and Saturday, and they look like they're in a decent position top of the fifth inning on Sunday. Fly ball, left center on the run is Bader. Dodson makes the play. Oh, what a play. Run scores. It's a tie game. They throw to second. Is it a double play? No, it's not. But Bader just saved two runs with that catch. That was Michael Kay on the Yes Network. And I tell you this, after watching the Cardinals over the weekend, they miss Harrison Bader's defense. So the score was tied 4-all between the Rays and the Yankees in that top of the fifth inning, and then this happened. The 1-2 pitch, swinging a high drive towards right center, heading back Judge to the wall, grand slam! 
For the second consecutive day, the Rays have had a grand slam, and they've got an 8-4 lead in the Bronx. And they went on to win that game, of course, at that point. Now, the Rays did get some bad news about Drew Rasmussen. He went on the 60-day injured list with a flexor strain. This was uh, stemming from his start on Thursday. The big question going forward is, is he going to need Tommy John surgery? The Orioles have been so red hot, they faced the Pirates. And on Sunday, Mitch Keller dominated the Baltimore lineup. Swing and a miss for a strikeout and a new career high. 11 punches for Keller. 0-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. He's got a dozen. Three straight punches for Keller. Make it 13. 13 strikeouts for Keller. What an incredible outing for Mitch Keller. Final score, 4 to nothing, Pittsburgh. The Rockies played the Phillies, and they had the situation the top of the seventh inning. Bryce Harper uh, kind of went crazy. Bird kicks. Here's the pitch. Swung on, hit in the air, left center field. Profar backing up is there. He makes the catch. Side retired. So a promising inning. And Harper coming out. He's saying something to Jake Bird. Jake Bird is barking at the Phillies dugout, and the dugout has emptied. Harper came rushing out of the dugout to confront Jake Bird, who was barking the whole way back to the dugout. And now he's been pushed into the dugout by his own team, and the Phillies are right at the top step of the Rockies' dugout, shouting, and many of them coaches wearing the hooded warm-up tops. Now the bullpens have emptied. Harper was red hot coming out of that bullpen, or dugout, rather. Yeah, Harper was upset by something that Jake Bird said, something he did. He admitted after the game that he's uh, you know, very emotional at times. Uh, he was ejected for what happened in that uh, game. Colorado wins 4 to nothing. Some other injury news. Every day there's injury news. Astros outfielder Michael Brandley said his injury set back uh, from uh, following the surgery in his right shoulder. Very frustrating. He had been on a minor league rehab assignment, but it's unclear when he's going to rejoin the Houston lineup. The Marlins' Jazz Chisholm is going to see a specialist about possible turf toe. The Diamondbacks face the Giants on Sunday, and this is how the game ended. Here comes the 1-2 pitch. And a line drive down the left field line. That's a hit. Extra bases. Walker coming to third. They're going to wave him home. And here comes a throw. Diamondbacks walking off. They win it. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. walks off the Diamondbacks. A 2-1 victory. And the Diamondbacks take three out of four over the Giants winning today's game 2-1. Right now, they're the clear second-best team. In the National League West, that from Arizona Sports 98.7 FM. Cardinals and Red Sox were on Sunday Night Baseball. The Cardinals won 9-1, three homers, including one from Andrew Kisner, who, of course, is the guy who has been installed recently as the Cardinals' primary catcher. Here's the one. Swing and a high fly ball. Well struck center field. That one is back. It's on its way, and it's gone. Home run to center field, Andrew Kisner. And here in the fourth, the Cardinals have opened up a 4-1 lead. And for Kisner, that's his second of the year. Yeah, so Kisner was installed as the everyday catcher. Taylor, if you can follow along with me here. He stalled as the everyday catcher, and uh, after they took Wilson Contreras out of that position. And so today, 
after sweeping the Red Sox, Wilson Contreras will be the catcher for Jack Flaherty. Does that all make sense? Mm, you know, Buster, I favor a thing called consistency, and it sounds <laughs> like the uh, the Cardinals are lacking that at the uh, catching position. We'll, we'll see uh, how it works out for them. They are trying to figure it out. We're going to be talking about all that with Tim Kirchin coming up here. Uh, the Guardians and the Angels play. Josh Naylor got a big hit in the bottom of the eighth. Swung in and blasted. High, deep to right. This is gone. Can you believe it? Three games in a row. Three home runs for Josh Naylor, all in the eighth inning. Wow. A two-out, three-run homer to right with winds gusting in. And Naylor is some kind of strong. And the Guardians have a 4-1 to lead with two down in the eighth inning as Josh Naylor has taken a page out of a Hollywood script. That was Tom Hamilton on WTM 1100. The Guardians win that game 4-3. to We're going to have the Guardians on Sunday Night Baseball next weekend against the New York Mets. Taylor, what else you got? Buster, the Low Post, and the Hoop Collective with Brian Windhorse. They are recording new episodes, probably as we're recording right now, with the Eastern and Western Conference final set in the NBA playoffs. You can check both of those shows out wherever you're listening to this podcast right now or on YouTube. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code BASEBALL. That's code BASEBALL. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NexGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. Seam heads rejoice. This is Timmy time. Baseball is the greatest game. With Tim Kirchner. It never disappoints you. On Baseball Tonight. And Tim Kirchner covers baseball for ESPN. Tim, how you doing? Um, well, Buster, how's it going? I'm doing okay. Uh, just traveling around. I'm down just outside of New York City getting ready to do some interviews today on another topic after uh, being at uh, Fenway Park last night. So it's a scramble this morning. It's not quite a baggage claim Monday, but it sort of feels like that. Uh, I know how much you loved your late mom. And so I actually thought of you last night when watching this. This was Lars Newtbar doing an interview with Eduardo Perez on Mother's Day Sunday. And we didn't tell Lars that we had a bit of a surprise for him. Give a listen to this. 
how important is she to who you are? Yeah, she's everything to me. There's, 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 uh, there's my mom right there, man. Um, she's everything. <laughs> she's everything to me, really. She's my rock. She's my everything. She's my best friend. And, and is this live right now? <laughs> this is live right now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you you be emotional, man. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I, I don't know why I'm getting emotional right now, man. <laughs> Thank you for the flower. Special Absolutely. Delivery. Thanks for everything. I love you, baby. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> man, you guys are messing me up, man. That's my best friend. You guys are doing this to me, man. <laughs> I know. He's a cry. He cries a lot. <laughs> I only get I only get emotional when I see her. I only get emotional when I see her. That's that's. I love you, mom. <laughs> so Tim, Lars Newbar was basically speechless. He was weeping when he saw his mom on camera. Yeah, I saw it, and I almost started to cry myself, I must say. Uh, that father, I mean, that mother-son relationship is is a pretty good one. You know all about that, Buster, and so do I. And it was uh, that was very emotional, and he's obviously very emotional, and none of that surprises me. Um, our moms <laughs> are so much better. that They're so great, and they've carried most of us to this point in our lives, and clearly uh, Lars's mother did also, and that's why he reacted that way. And we probably shouldn't have ambushed him like that, but it does show the real emotion when you see your mom on the other end. It would have been great if she just walked into the booth, but that might have been too much. I've got other Cardinal-related topics that I want to get to, and, and we'll do that in a little bit. But, you know, I was scrambling around Fenway Park yesterday getting ready for our game, and then I, after the game I saw you know the headlines about Bryce Harper charging the Rockies' dugout. What the heck happened there, Tim? Um. Well, I'm not quite sure. We've got an emotional guy, Bryce Harper, and I think when he saw Joe Bird of the Rockies walk off the mound, uh, something must have upset him because he charged the other dugout. And Joe Bird was giving it, I believe, one of these hands up, like, you know, come get me type of thing. I'm still not sure what happened. And we need to check this, Buster. I should never speak unless I know for sure. I think this is the second altercation that Bryce Harper's been in on Mother's Day. I think that the Hunter Strickland thing was on Mother's Day also. Look, I'm making, not making fun of this. You should not get in a fight, period. You should never get in a fight on Mother's Day. I think that's what happened here is that, that Bryce Harper, emotional guy, did not like the way anybody walks off the mound who's celebrating. And I'm not even sure I saw what was wrong about this. So I'm not assigning blame to anyone. But Bryce Harper is a very emotional guy. He's far less emotional than he was 10 years ago. So something must have ticked him off. And I'm still not positive what it was. All right. Uh, I'm checking this. Uh, I checked it as you were talking. That uh, that brawl between Hunter Strickland and Bryce Harper had, happened on Memorial Day. Oh. So, Bryce, you know, that, so that's a good thing. Good. Uh, Thank goodness. And, you know, Bryce, right. Good. I stand Bryce corrected. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Bryce, Bryce uh, acknowledged after the game that he's an emotional player. Um, he's a fiery player. We've seen him many, many times in the past. And Taylor, jump in here. I just want to talk about the Phillies a bit because last week we got a bunch of tweets where people saying you jinxed the Phillies because I talked yeah. a couple weeks ago and you co-signed with me that the Phillies were about ready to launch and then they just proceeded to lose a bunch of games. And then in the last week, Tim, 
they went the other way. And I think this this is the time when they're actually going to launch. Yeah, again, Buster, I loved them at the end of last year and not because they went to the World Series, but because the way they presented themselves in the clubhouse on the field. That was a college baseball team playing at the end of the year, and that is a real compliment. I saw the same thing in spring training. I saw the Rob Thompson influence, which has been significant. And even with some terrible injuries, I said the Phillies are making the playoffs uh, this season. And I'm still really sure that's going to happen. But they're playing exceptionally well right now. Harper is <laughs> amazingly swinging it this well, this short after Tommy John surgery. Looks like Trey Turner's starting to go. But again, and they've got... Um, Ranger Suarez back, even though he wasn't great his first time out. Uh, that's a, This is a complete team. They're going to the playoffs. I'm not saying they're going to beat the Braves, but I don't see six teams in the National League better than the Phillies. I got to clean up a couple things. Tim, have you ever been in a situation where, you know, potential brawl and you're waving, come get me at the person that you're arguing with? Uh, no, I... <laughs> Made this clear, and I'm not repeating. I've been in one fight. I will never get in another one. I lost badly. Sarah could beat me up in a fight. So I'm not waving any flag saying, come get me, unless I'm stranded somewhere. But no, I, I'm i not a lover, and I'm not a fighter. I'm neither. And and don't get me involved in fights, because I, I really, it just turns my stomach when I see two people hitting each other. It just is not necessary. And Taylor, I, I do you think this is going to set off another round of don't jinx the Phillies? <laughs> yeah, I think you got to be careful here, Buster. The Phillies fans, they're feeling a little touchy. They were mad when I was like, yeah, they kind of look average right now. They didn't even like that. So don't heap too much praise on them. Okay, we'll change the subject then. Let's talk about the Dodgers and the Padres. Dodgers took it to the Padres over the weekend in Dodger Stadium, Tim. And along the way, Joe Musgrove was expressing some frustration like, we got to turn this around. Like we have to play better against the Dodgers. I think he he really could have applied that to the way the Padres are playing in general. Right. Last eight games, Buster, the Padres have hit one eighty four as a team. Eight games under two hundred. That's hard to do. They've lost five overall to the Dodgers, who are really good right now. The Dodgers have won thirteen of their last fifteen, averaging under three runs a game allowed. So we're starting to see the Dodgers at their best, and we're also maybe seeing the Padres at their worst. We we, we could have guessed a lot of things, Buster, but we, we could not have guessed once Fernando Tatis Jr. came back that there would be a one week, if not longer, stretch where the Padres have been this bad offensively. And this is going to have to turn soon because there are some pretty good teams in the National League right now. I think it's going to turn, but I always worry when you put this many stars together, you spend this kind of money, and the focus is on sometimes on things other than what's going on on the field. Um, I'm not saying the Padres are in deep trouble, but, boy, they look, they look shaky right now. And this is going to have to turn and fast. Over the weekend, we got bad news about Drew Rasmussen, one of the Rays uh, pitchers. Uh, he's concerned about the possibility that he might be having Tommy John surgery down the road. They've already lost Jeffrey Springs. And yet they just keep plugging along, Tim. Uh, it feels like the last five or six years we've seen pitcher after pitcher after pitcher break down with the Rays, and it doesn't seem to matter. 
Yeah, and this is really unfortunate. I did the Drew Rasmussen game on the radio a couple of weeks ago in Tampa, and he was great. I mean, he's got the carry back on his four-seam fastball. He's got two different curveballs, both of which work. And to see him pitch as well as he did in the last time out against the Yankees and then get hurt after that, I don't know what's going on in Tampa Bay, but that's a troublesome situation that Tyler Glass now has this and then Jeffrey Springs and now Drew Rasmussen. But you're right. It's amazing the number of arms that they just bring in, plug them in, and whoever they plug in, really good. And the way they can score runs, they don't have to be a great pitching team right now, but they are, no matter who you put in there. It's a real tribute to Kevin Cash and Kyle Snyder and all the people that run that pitching staff. So I just want to tell you that over the weekend, uh, I bumped into a Cardinals fan who was on the field for batting practice, and he was talking about how much he likes to listen to you on the podcast. Okay. Guy, guy points out specifically, Tim, you're, you're his man and you should feel really good about that. Uh, and, and I think part of the reason why he told me that was because the Cardinals are playing so well. Uh, you know, over the weekend, over the last week, after struggling for so much, they've now taken six of seven games. <laughs> so what do you make of the Cardinals right now? Well, I'm a little confused. I wrote a, a little piece for Baseball Tonight yesterday about how bad the Cardinals are, you know, losing 24 of their first 35 games, controversy, confusion, very unlike the Cardinals. And of course, <laughs> they turn it around and start to play like this. Look, Buster, you said it a week ago. You wouldn't be surprised if by the, you know, the middle of June, they're back in first place in their division in part because the division isn't great. The Pirates are showing their flaws. The Brewers are showing their flaws. And the Cardinals have to be way better than the way they played. And we're starting to see it. Nolan Arenado has a home run in three straight games. That should be a good offensive team. It should be a good defensive team. And for Miles Michaelis to pitch that well last night without striking anybody out was also very refreshing to see a pitcher who doesn't blow you away and still gets through six innings. So they're on the way back. They can't be any worse than they were the first five weeks. And now I think they've recognized that. And of course, during this streak of six, uh, stretch of six wins in seven games, Andrew Kisner has been the primary catcher, Tim. And we got word over the weekend from Ali Marmol that uh, Wilson Contreras today is going to catch Jack Flaherty. I, I this look, I, and I had people within the organization who are trying to make the case that you know it's not as bad as it looks with Wilson Contreras, and you know this all makes sense, and the public perception is different than the private perception. Tim, you, you can't draw any lines that make any that that lead you to logic with any of this because now, and this was pointed out uh, eight days ago to me by several executives of other teams. They're saying, "Here's the thing: they're going to put Kisner in there, and then they're going to start to play better because they actually have more talent than what they've shown, and then they're going to be in a box." So I feel like today. Because they've now taken six or seven games with Kisner as their primary catcher. You talk about Wilson Contreras being put on a tee for negative fan reaction if Jack Flaherty gets knocked around today. Do you agree with me on that? Like, this makes no sense how this is playing out. Because I don't know how the Cardinals retreat from Kisner now that they started winning. 
Right. Look, Andrew Kisner is a good defensive catcher. He belongs in the major leagues, but sorry, he's not the reason that they've won six of the last seven. The reason they're playing better is they're starting to score some runs finally. They're hitting the ball out of the ballpark, and guys who should be good pitchers are good pitchers, and they're finally showing up. And you're right. If they lose with Contreras behind the plate, it's going to be all his He's fault. He's going to get killed. It's not all his fault, and it's all not in favor of Andrew Kisner. This is the beauty of baseball. Now, if this goes on for three months like this, then maybe. But I, I'm just refused to believe the reason the Cardinals have turned it around is they took a veteran catcher out from behind the plate, and now everything's great. Not believing yeah. that. Uh, I would say this, after being around the Cardinals, everyone, you know, there, there's certainly some sentiment that Contreras was not doing what the one or two as a catcher, uh, but it was unanimous among the people I spoke with that Wilson Contreras, during this time, it basically is an unprecedented situation. Tim, publicly, he has handled this so well. Yeah, and he, you know, he has an edge to him. We've all seen it. He's argued with players. He's gotten in fights on the field. I'm amazed that he stood back and took this when they took him out from the position that he's played for basically his entire career. And because he's handled it so well, that might be one reason that the Cardinals are starting to play again, is he took the high road here instead of screaming, what are you doing to me? But again, with 35 games into your Cardinal career, maybe you have to do what they're told and then maybe prove to them later on in the season this was a mistake. Yeah, Nolan Arenado, you referenced, uh, you know, guys uh, who you expect to hit actually hitting. Nolan Arenado, certainly at the top of that list, had a great weekend series. Home runs in each of three games, four hits on Friday night, a bomb last night. I had evaluators of the team saying that he, he just looked down, like his body language was down. And so maybe that now that the Cardinals start winning, Nolan Arenado carries so much, who cares so much and plays so hard, is feeling better. That one piece of advice, Tim, if the Cardinals ask me, and they're not going to because I'm an idiot, a uh, piece of advice I would have for that organization is they need to be decisive with this absolute logjam of young player and corner outfielders, especially because, uh, you know, since Harrison Bader got hurt last year and was then subsequently traded to the Yankees, man, their outfield defense is not good. You know, Sarah Lang's dug out these great numbers for me about outs above average. They're 29th out of 30 teams in that with their, among their outfielders. Uh, defensive run saves are tied for 26 out of 30 teams. And just watching them over the weekend, Tim, their outfield is not good. Uh, and, I, and it feels like what the Cardinals need to do is settle on Lars Newtbar needs to play every day uh, and then maybe a couple of platoons but then they have to make hard decisions. If they're not going to play Tyler O'Neill on a regular basis when he comes back, figure out a way to get some value for him. Flip him. As one evaluator told me, they have a lot of DH-type guys in this mix. What do you think? Well, Buster, I, I've told you before, I learned about offense, I mean, defense in the outfield watching the 1987 Orioles, who were a terrible team, but it's the worst defensive outfield I've ever seen. And no sense in naming names here, but the pitchers on the Orioles were literally afraid to, ball, to throw the ball over the plate because they knew if it were hit, especially in the outfield, it's not going to get caught. And if a pitcher has it in his mind that, you know, I have to put the ball on the ground here, I have to, because if it's in the air, it's going to drop or go over someone's head. That's a really bad sign. Outfield defense 
is absolutely critical for any winning team. And the Cardinals had better clean that up if they're going to go to where they want to go. Uh, uh, before we go, I want to talk about Kenley Jansen. Uh, his week, you know, uh, a few days ago, he, he had his 400th career save. He's thrown 98 miles per, miles per hour. Alex Cora, when I talked to him about this over the weekend, he was laughing about how jacked up Kenley Jansen was. And then he blows a save on Friday and he blows a save on Saturday in this weird situation where Wilson Contreras was absolutely playing it with some gamesmanship, getting in Kenley Jansen's head about the pitch clock rules. And after the game, Kenley Jansen acknowledged he didn't know the rules about he had to wait until the hitter had two feet in the box. And what Wilson Contreras was doing was standing with one foot in the box, one foot out of the box, and posturing at Kenley as if he was staring right at him as if, yeah, I'm ready to go. And then Kenley would be ready to go and he'd throw a pitch. Nope, violation. There's another ball. It totally got in Kenley Jansen's head. And to his credit, after the game, he took full responsibility for that. I said, look, I need to know the rules. And then when I talked to him yesterday, Tim, this was kind of cool because you saw June Lee's great story the other day about uh, Kenley dealing with anxiety. Kenley said, you know what? If that had happened to me five years ago, I would have been a complete mess. But now I'm feeling a lot better about this situation. Tell me what you saw in him over the weekend. Well, it's really odd. You just save your 400th game in your career. It's a pretty short list of 400 save guys. And then he has a difficult weekend. And then he's confused by the rules, which is confusing because he's one of the guys who had to change basically his entire delivery and his entire approach in order to get rid of the ball because of how slowly he worked. And he did such a good job with that. But I was I was told in spring training, Alex Cord told me that Tristan Cassis is the best. He's already figured out the strategy of how to get into the box. And he did and does exactly what Wilson Contreras did, one foot in the box, one outside the box. And then when he recognizes okay, time is running down, I'm putting both feet in, that that confused a pitcher. I'm a little surprised it confused a veteran pitcher like Kenley Jansen. But again, for him to at least acknowledge, all right, I got this, own it, and move on, I'm sure he's going to be fine. We've counted that guy out a lot of times in his career, and he keeps going. And now he's thrown in the, in the mid to upper 90s again here and there. Uh, I'm not worried about him. He'll figure this out. All right, Tim. Well, thanks for doing this. Always great to talk with you. Okay, Buster. See you. So we talked about Kenley Jansen on Saturday being confused by the pitch clock rules. Well, this is Kenley after the game. You'll hear he completely owned it, that it was his responsibility. He's very frustrated, but he knows the adjustments need to be made. What's the explanation you got on those violations? Well, you know, I kind of got confused a little bit because... Um, Contreras was looking at me, um, but when I went on to see the tape, you know, I think his other, like his hands and his hands was up and he's looking at me, but his feet was out. So, you know, I'm just more focusing, seeing, okay, he's looking at me, I'm gonna come home, you know, and I guess they bought me twice, so, you know. Yeah, those are the things that I learned today. How much does stuff like that disrupt what you're trying to do on the mound? A lot, you know. Um, that's the mistake that I did. I let that throw me off. Um, and it just messed up my whole game. And, yeah, I mean, the explanation is, you know, you got to have both feet in his, 
box, I guess. But you know, you can cl clearly see that you know we cannot mess with the hitters. But you know, they're looking at us. Or one feet us out. You know, I'm not gonna like you know what I'm saying. Like I'm, I'm, I'm ready to come, come at you. That's what I see. And, you know, I guess hitters can mess with us. So that's good. So were you given a warning on the first one, and then there was two actual violations, or were there three? Violations? Yeah, so I guess the first warning tell me that I was too quick, and then the second one, you know, he showed time, but then I guess it was still too quick. But I'm seeing them looking at me, so um, yeah, nothing you can do about it. Yeah, you said you said yesterday that you felt like you opened up too quick on the Just what did you what did you feel today? Obviously, I have two rough games. That's what I can tell you. I can be honest with you, you know. Um, and and I could look bad, but at the end of the day, you know, you gotta keep continue to come out here, man. That's what you get paid for, right? So you gotta come and grind, and it's grind time now, grind mode. You know, have pretty good month in April, and you know, may start a little bit, you know, troop um trouble, but hey, just control what you can control, you know. So. Right now, it's whenever you know the opportunity to get again. I get into the game. I can control what I can control. Kenley, how clear are you on the rule now after watching the? I mean, I gotta pay attention now. Both feet on the on the box, you know, because you see the bat up, you see the hat looking at you, but then you gotta pay attention to the feet if the feet is out of the box, you know. And the second time he looked at me, and then when I, you know come to home he dropped his hat and his feet was out so that's clearly you know I, I don't but it's just clearly telling me that you know yeah they, they, they mess with me and you know it pays off for me so um, I didn't pay attention in the leg so that's my my, my, my fault and my responsibility to just look at that so that's it you think there'll be more hitters will be trying to do the same thing I don't thing care I just gotta pay attention now on the feet also too so I gotta be on point, you know, you can't just look at the hitters looking at you only, the bat up, you know, you got to look at the feet also too, so that's the information I got when I went in and check it out, so, you know, that's a clear message, you know, now I'm going to pay attention on that and I'm going to do better. That adjustment to the rules, like, did that happen after the start of the season? How do you mean? It's like been when, better. When, that, when it became, like, you know, the batter has to have two Feet looking at you like the whole thing. Like, when was that? Like, had that ever been communicated to you as a, as a rule? At certain seconds, better. Like, you know, what I learned is like whenever better is looking at you with his bat up, you know, hey, he's, he's ready, he's going. But um, one thing I learned, I think, you know, when it's eight, nine seconds, if the batter's look, not looking at you as a ball for them. So um, I see them looking at me and you know, I went, but the feet was out, so um, I learned that part, and I got to move on for that now. Is it frustrating that, like, there are kind of adjustments to how Yeah, it sucks. It sucks, because I learned experience today of the rule, and it cost me a game, and it definitely sucks, and, you know, I'm taking all the responsibility about that, um, that I got two bad ones, and nothing we can do about it, you know, it's, it's, it's all we can do is turn the page and be ready for the next one. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. 
So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is The Numbers Game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, reporter producer for MLB.com. Sarah, how are you doing on this Monday? I am doing great, Buster. How All are right. you? I'm not doing great. I'm feeling offended because people are now bypassing me and just <laughs> taking their questions directly to you. This is from Matthew Porto. We sent this sentence, this bleacher tweet after Zach Granke hit a milestone over the weekend. He writes, Zach Granke striking out his 1,000th different batter was awesome. Can we ask Sarah if anyone else is approaching that number Maybe Clayton Kershaw. You know, he didn't ask Tim Kirchin. He didn't ask Sarah Abbott. He didn't ask Taylor Schwing. He didn't ask me. He's asking you, Sarah. I mean, it's amazing. I'm getting homework on Twitter without even being tagged. Someone just mentioning my name. So, of course, I had to do my homework. I like where he's at with Kershaw, but the active pitcher is actually closest to this is Max Scherzer with 936 different batters struck out. But just to demonstrate how difficult this is, I looked this up last night, Sunday night, Kershaw had pitched. So what I was looking at was entering the day. So this morning I had to refresh the page to make sure it hadn't changed and it hadn't. So Max Scherzer by facing a divisional opponent in the Nationals that has some young players, but once he had already faced, did not gain a single new batter struck out. And that just shows you how impressive this is for Zach Greinke. A couple of their guys were close. Kershaw, 906. Berlinder, 878. And the one that stood out to me 
that actually may have a chance is Garrett Cole. He's at 659, but of course he's much younger than the other three I mentioned. And you never know with the turnover in the ALEs, although I think what got cranky there was just how many different teams he pitched for. Let's play the numbers game. Number three. Number three is three. So Josh Naylor has done something pretty incredible. So in the last three games for the Cleveland Guardians, he has hit a go-ahead home run in the eighth inning. He is the first player in at least the expansion era, which goes back to 1961, to the go-ahead home run in the eighth inning or later in three straight games. He now has eight go-ahead home runs in the eighth inning or later since the start of 2021. That's two more than anyone else in the majors in that span. And I do have to give a shout-out to Guardians reporter and, of course, one of my absolute best friends, Mandy Bell. We have slack shots at work. And I went, and after the home run had been hit, I saw that she had said, yep, I'm all set with my ankle, unless Naylor does it again here. And then he did. So she knew what was coming. (laughs) Number two. Number two is eight. So I feel like I've talked about Bryce Miller on here after each of his first three career starts. And this is the most recent update. So he made his third career start on Saturday this weekend. He has allowed only eight base runners in three starts. And they haven't been short starts. He went six plus in each of the first two and then seven innings on Saturday. Those eight base runners are the fewest allowed in the pitcher's first three career appearances since 1901 with a minimum of 15 innings. So he is pitching deep into these games. And I mean, we saw him with the no-hit bid. He allowed two hits in each of those first two, one walk, and then three hits with no walks on Saturday. Number one. Number one is zero. We'll go with that. So Chris Bassett threw a shutout on Friday night against the Braves for the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays went on to sweep that series. That was the Blue Jays' first shutout in the nine-inning game since Mark Burley on June 3rd, 2015. Mm. And it wasn't just their first shutout in a while. It was their first nine-inning complete game as well. So they have gone 889 consecutive games without a nine-inning complete game from pitcher and 1,176 consecutive games without that shot-out. Both of those streaks were the longest in MLB history. So for all of the fact that we don't see pitchers going as deep into games, it was the Blue Jays, not maybe a team that had been a little worse lately that had these streaks before Chris Baston on Friday. That's pretty remarkable. Uh, I mean, it does feel unusual when you see any, any starting pitcher these days work into the seventh inning. It's amazing how quickly the game is changing for sure. Uh, Sarah, uh, on Sunday, you got to see your mom, yes? I did. I did, yes. 
what did you wind up giving her? Now, can you tell us some of the uh, that information? Uh, I can tell some of it. There's still two parts. They're still on their way, you know, coming through uh, through the mail. But the first thing I gave her was a bracelet that I had uh, engraved to say something that my grandmother always used to say, both of us, and then. Uh, on the inside, it says, I love you, and I know she really appreciated it, and it was great. We got to spend time. We watched all of the baseball, we watched uh, Sunday night, of course, and we also got to watch the basketball game. <laughs> she had some great reactions to how much of a blowout that Celtics-Sixers game ended up, so always amazing to spend time with her and even more so on Mother's Day. And so you got to watch the uh, segment that uh, Eduardo did with Lars Nudbar uh, and uh, with his mother popping up on the screen. What was your reaction to that? Oh my goodness. Our Sunday baseball producer Andy Jacobson, who knows me very well at this point, uh, to, I was chatting with him around 5 p.m. and he's like, you have to see how that interview went. He sent me a clip. My mom came over. We both watched it. I mean, the reaction that he had saying, wait, is this live right now? <laughs> when he saw his mother pop up. And then my all-time favorite moment was her reacting to him getting teary and saying, I don't know why I'm emotional right now. And she goes, he's a crier. He cries a lot. I mean, imagine your mother saying that about you on national television. <laughs> and then you're a major league baseball player. I mean, it was just an amazing, amazing moment. And I loved her smile. And you could just see in both of their smiles so, so much happiness. No doubt about it. It, it was fantastic. Sarah, thanks for doing this. Thanks so much for having me, Buster. Bleacher Tweets. Alrighty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for a Monday. First up, Real Camp Drew, Andrew Campbell. He writes, hey, Buster, is Anthony Rizzo the best player in baseball right now that no one is talking about? He's currently top 10 in runs scored, OPS, OPS plus, and also top 20 in wins above replacement. Yeah, Drew, I'll take your word for it. I got to say, like um, on Monday mornings, sometimes I feel like uh, I'm still catching up. Uh, but I think your theory is is dead on because you think about the Yankees and all the injuries they've suffered. Rizzo has been one of the consistent guys in their lineup, and they're hanging in there, you know, despite all these injuries. And American League East, Taylor, just crazy how much depth there is. Oh my God, it's it's an absolute bonanza. And I, I met a I met a Reds fan or a Tigers fan this weekend. And I was like, Oh, you guys aren't out of it. <laughs> that AL Central, pretty soft. Wish I was there right now. Alas. Yeah, what was the division I said last week? I remember saying, oh, I, uh, no, I did a radio interview in Kansas City. I mentioned that I was like, you know what? I, I know the Royals have, been, Royals have been really, really, really bad so far this year, but they're closer than, you know, to first place than the Yankees are. You get a three-game winning streak in the American League Central. It, it, yeah. uh, it's the sort of thing that uh, in the American League East means nothing. Nothing. I mean, the red, the, I mean, uh, no tears over here for the Red Sox or the Yankees, but Red Sox get swept by a, a Cardinals team that looked like they were really Trump's struggling. Last and then, place. <laughs> and then the Yankees, I mean, they, they were fighting hard against the Rays this weekend and just couldn't, couldn't get it done against the Tampa baseball machine. But 
Well, uh, on Sunday, I would say I thought, you know, where the Yankees are with the with their injuries and stuff like that. It was important for weekend to sort of hold their ground against yeah. Tampa Bay. Absolutely. Spence at Texas Baseball Fan writes, and it was a nice gesture for Major League Baseball to make all games free for moms this weekend. It would have been nicer if they'd removed the blackout restrictions, since I'm guessing most of them would prefer to watch the local team rather than a random other game. I love a chance to rip the blackout rules, Buster. Well, and I think I think they're antiquated, and I think Major League Baseball feels like they're antiquated, and I think they're going to attack them at some point. Um, you know, we're seeing all these bankruptcies. I'm not going to go too deep into it, but all the regional mm-hmm. sports networks. I think at some point you're going to see Major League Baseball control most of the broadcasting rights, and that's when they'll be in a position to eliminate the blackout restrictions. Our pal Andrew DeSalvo at DeSalvotion writes in, I liked your three straight hundred loss seasons and your ownership is under review concept from Friday's show. Do you know of any proposals the players have ever put forth in negotiations to curb tanking? And if so, did they get any traction? So the owners have put forth proposals that talking about salary cap and the, and the players are saying that they don't want to do that. And I, which I, I think they actually, the players should explore it to see if it makes sense financially. I, I think just to uniformly say no, I don't think is uh, is is good business on their side. But I'd say this: the owners can solve the tanking issue anytime they want by holding each other to account. It's a shared business, and if the owners were to you know band together, just as they do in bad behavior when when uh, some <laughs> owner acts badly, if all the other owners said, "Sorry, you know what? You're not running your team in a way that's credible for the sport. We're going to kick you out of the game." They don't need the player association to start that process. Anytime now, owners. Uh, last one for today. It seemed like a little bit of bad behavior on the part of the Nationals and Major League Baseball. Bruce Clark wrote a long, long thread to us. Um, I'm just going to summarize it. He was really pissed about how the Nats and Mets started their game on Saturday afternoon in the rain. They continued playing as the rain got heavier. It soaked the infield. Uh, then they waited four hours to decide that the game would be suspended until Sunday. And that would be the they play the end of that game on the front end of Sunday's game, which was kind of a weird bit that they did. And all of this was done without one word of communication with Major League Baseball and from the Nats and Major League Baseball, including anyone in the stands. The Mets, the guys on the Mets broadcast were, were really pissed about it, too. Uh, just kind of a wacky scenario there, Buster. What do you think about all that? I think we could have saved that for Friday's rant. You know, okay, we can tee it up again. I feel like the Nationals. I mean, this is anecdotal, but I feel like the Nationals do a lot of this, like, kind of waiting around for the rain delays. I I only know that because I, you know, have an eye right. on that. Yeah. And I've heard the same thing. Like, people yeah. look at the, the way the Nationals handle, like, the game time starting. Yeah, what time they start? Like, games at like 4 30, which allows <laughs> them to say it's an afternoon game, but they can skirt union rules about getting teams out of town, stuff like that. The Nationals are kind of looked at uh, a team that tries to thread the needle a little bit too much. Mm, pretty shady. I have I have something good for Friday, Buster. Um, you know, if you if you oh, follow okay. Buster on 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 Twitter, you might you might get a little uh, a little taste of it. Uh, me and Buster mixing it up, but we'll we'll, we'll save it for Friday. Well, so. hey, I think I know which way you're going, and I appreciate yeah. that. All right. Well, hashtag Bleacher tweets. If you want to figure find those uh, those tweets we're referencing, and you can also send in more questions. We will be back on Wednesday. That's it for today. My thanks to Sarah, Tim, Sarah Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day.